Well, good evening. My name is James. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm going to read our scripture passage that we do like on most Sunday mornings. We're going to read that right now prior to Matt teaching tonight. And we're going to be reading from Psalm 96. And so if you need a Bible, if you'd like to grab one uh, or you'd like to have one as you follow along, please put up your hand and we just, our Frontlines team is going to come and they'll just uh, distribute some Bibles to you. But Psalm 96 is where we're going to read tonight. Psalm 96, it says this, O sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord, he made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of of peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory do his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the, Lord, the world is established. It shall not be moved. He will judge the peoples with iniquity, with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth, and he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And this is the word of God to us. Well, a very, very Merry Christmas to every single one of you. It is so good to be able to be together tonight and to be able to celebrate Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been sharing with Church of the City that tomorrow at about noon, I'll kind of stop and do a big... And part of me will be like, is that, is that it? We, we ran around, we did all that craziness just so we could land at 12 o'clock on Christmas Day and go... And every year, I must confess that this happens to me, and I must confess that I feel a little bit bad about it. Because if I'm honest, I forget as I get caught up in in all the business of what happens, what, what really is going on. Like today, I'm at Simply Wonderful Toys, and my kids aren't in here, so I can share this with you. And, you know, we wanted to teach our kids already that, you know, you two boys give each other gifts, and so we got a couple of, like, Thomas train engine things. And so they're going to have gifts to exchange to each other. But on Christmas Eve, I'm like one of those crazy folks. And maybe you're there too. And you were there. And you were at the store looking for that thing. So then tomorrow at noon go, Now, tonight my simple hope is that I would remind us of why Christians celebrate at this time of year the birth of Jesus. Now, many of us understand that at Easter, uh, we celebrate when Jesus comes back to life. But guess what? He wouldn't have come back to life if he didn't first have life. And at Christmas, 
Christians celebrate the coming, the birth of God made flesh to live among us. So, we are going to go through Psalm 96 a little bit line by line and pull out of Psalm 96 and answer the question, why is Christmas good news based upon this particular psalm? So if you are here tonight and you're new to this whole gathering with the church community thing, we're so happy that you're here and I'll try to be as straightforward as we can in helping you understand why Christians and why at Christmas Christians seem to be all that much more excited about this Jesus fellow. And so we will explain that tonight. So if you have your Bible, Psalm 96, as James read, we're going to read it again a bit slower and also for us to understand what's going on. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Not segments of the earth, all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all of the peoples. Now, if you've been with us at Church of the City, you'll know that this psalm is very unlike some of the other psalms that we have been studying, in which we've been talking about pain and suffering. We've been talking about fear. We've been talking about seasons of our life when God seems absolutely silent. And then we arrive at a psalm like this, and the psalmist is excited. This is a psalm in which the psalmist is celebrating God. Well, what does the psalmist have to celebrate? It tells us right here in verse 2. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. So why is Christmas good news according to this psalm? Well, Christmas is good news because the Lord has provided salvation. Now, salvation is defined as being freed or delivered from ruin, harm, or loss. Now, some of us are like, ruin, harm, or loss? What are you talking about? Why would I need delivered from ruin, harm, or loss? Things seem to be okay. The scriptures, the Bible, talks and says that all of us are broken individuals. All of us, it will use the word sin. All of us are sinners. And it says that all of us fall short of meeting the standard. Tells us a story in the scriptures of God creating the world beautiful, perfect. Human beings are in perfect relationship with God. And he says to them, live in relationship with me. Don't choose to walk in disobedience to me. And humanity... Like many of us understand humanity now, all of us, we don't always like to listen to rules. And we don't like to be guided. Some of us are particular types that it's like, I want to make the mistake. <laughs> Maybe you know some of those. As parents, you're, you're praying if your kids are young that you don't have one of those kids that's one of those, I just want to make the mistake myself. Don't tell me. Right? We know that. And so here, we understand in the scriptures that all of us have fallen short. All of us make decisions. They're like, no, I don't want to do it your way, God. I want to do it my own way. Some of us, it's I'm just going to purely reject you. I don't believe in you. And so the scriptures will say that all of us have actually fallen short of this perfect standard that God has. And the penalty of that or the wages of that is eternal separation from this God. Now at this point, God could have said, well, I asked you to live a certain way and you chose not to. But instead... We read in Luke 2, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
This baby that is born comes and is described as a savior. We then read later on in Luke's gospel, for the son of man, speaking of Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. Well, who are the lost? As the scriptures defined, all of us are. Even those people that say, no, I'm pretty good. All of us are lost. And Jesus comes and he saves us. All of us. Now, John 3.16, famous verse for many of us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So while Jesus came to die and to take the penalty for all of us, not all of us will actually choose to accept his gift of salvation. And so this verse tells us that Jesus presents a decision that needs to be made. Am I going to believe in Jesus and what he says, who he says he is? Am I going to believe what the scripture, other writers said about him? And if I believe who he is and what others said about him, then you must come to believe that Jesus came to save us. And so at Christmas, we celebrate the fact that the Lord has provided salvation. At the writing of this particular psalm, they're looking back in many ways likely to the salvation of when the Israelite people were in slavery in Egypt and God set them free. So they're remembering back to the slavery that they have been released from. And just as they were celebrating the slavery that they have been released from, the bondage that is no longer there, the full liberty that they have, we can celebrate if we believe in Jesus and what he came to do and has done that he too has continued to provide salvation for us. So why is Christmas good news? Because the Lord has provided salvation. So will you respond to this invitation? Secondly, let's continue verse 4. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. The psalmist recognizes that there is a world in which we live that is spiritual. And in this time, he's speaking of world religions and other religions that worship little g-gods compared to the big g-god. And very quickly in this psalm, the psalmist is, is going to tell us, it says that the God that I'm speaking of, the God that I'm celebrating is completely different than all the gods that are around. And well, why is this God different? For all the gods, let's go back to verse 5, are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. So how is this God different than the rest? He's the creator God. He's the big G God. He's the creator. If you think of the illustration of a potter and then the things that they form with clay. He's saying, all of you people, you're all worshiping the created things. Get your eyes off the created things and look at the creator. He's huge. And this God, he's worthy of our praise. He is worthy. He's wholly unique and he's wholly other. Jen Wilkins, in her book, None Like Him, in each chapter she goes through and talks about the attributes of this big G God. And her first chapter is called this, and I'll just read through the chapters. They're quite encouraging. He's infinite. He's the God of no limits. He's incomprehensible. He's the God of infinite mystery. He's self-existent, meaning he's the God of infinite creativity. He's self-sufficient, meaning he's the God of infinite provision. 
He's eternal, meaning that he's the God of infinite days. He's immutable, meaning the God of infinite sameness. He's omnipresent, the God of infinite place. He's omniscient, the God of infinite knowledge. He's omnipotent, the God of infinite power. And he's sovereign, the God of infinite rule. The psalm is saying he's totally not even in the same class as the gods you're worshiping. And so Christians at Christmas, why do then we celebrate this God? Because this God put on flesh to live among us, to save us. Tim Keller in his book, Hidden Christmas, writes this of the worldview in which Jesus was born. He writes, everything in the Hebrew worldview militated against the idea that a human being could be God. Jews would not even pronounce the name Yahweh nor spell it. And yet Jesus Christ, by his life, by his claims, and by his resurrection, convinced his closest Jewish followers that he was not just a prophet telling them how to find God, but God himself come to find us. Think about this. What would somebody, if you think of one of your friends, and this is somewhat of an impossible illustration because none of your friends are that good, but think about your best good friend, the really Christian one, the really moral one. What would it take for them to convince you that they were God? It'd be impossible. Yet this man who comes born like all of us were, convinced his first followers in this society and then we're still celebrating him now that God put on flesh think about that why why would this God do that one so that that we could know him clearly the scriptures tell us that we can only know God if we look at Jesus That's why so many people in our world are confused about God because they're looking at him through the long lens. Look at Jesus. He shows you God. He is God. So he shows us not only what God is like, but God in flesh. And then secondly, what this means is that obviously this God loves us and he wants a relationship with us. Desperately. I've already recited John 3.16, for God so loved What's the motive? His love. Our, our oldest son has been throwing tantrums recently. Uh, some of us are very accustomed to these. And in these tantrums, there is no settling him. Like, I even send in mom. She usually does. But sometimes he is unconsolable. And um, there are certain nights when I'm in his room and he's just you know, banging on his door, let me out of here sort of thing, like, that I just want him to know that dad is there and that dad loves him and dad wants to hold him and that if he just trusts my love, things would be okay. Some of us have been in that situation. Some of us are trying to imagine it. God put on flesh so that he could show us how much he loves us. And you may be stuck up on the fact, well, what about pain and suffering? I see a lot of that around. What about evil? 
as we've talked about recently, I, th- I think pain and suffering, if anything, actually don't disprove God. I think they actually point to us to actually say, if we think there's actually something wrong with this pain and suffering, why do you think there's something wrong with it in the first place? So you must have to believe that maybe there's this belief somewhere in the metaphysical, yeah, God created us with an understanding and with perfection. And so we're desiring that. And so God makes a way for us to be in relationship with him because he loves us. He wants relationship with us. So second reason. The Lord is unique and he's wholly other and he put on flesh to be with us. That's why Christmas is good news according to this psalm. And then lastly, jump down with me to verse 10. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. So third reason. (laughs) Why is Christmas good news? And I'm going to be honest with you. You're probably going to go, I don't know if this is really that good news. The Lord is an impartial and he's a just judge. Now, immediately when judgment and justice come up, people get squirmy, right? Because none of us, if we're honest, none of us want to be told that we were not just, right? We love pointing our fingers when somebody else has been unjust towards us. And typically, that's based upon our own versions of what is right and wrong. Right? Many of us can probably think immediately in our head of an unjust situation, maybe on a global scale or on a scale of your own home and your own family. What this psalm tells us is that God is an impartial judge. It uses the words inequity, which means impartial, which means God, when he judges the world, when a day is going to come when he will judge, he's not going to play favorites. Now, what this means is it's bad news for those of us that would really like him to play favorites because we think we're pretty good, right? Where we're like, oh, I lived good today. God's more impressed with me. But we got to go back. Remember, this God is infinite. This God is omnipresent. So he knew you were going to do that good thing before you even did it. Oh, and by the way, he also knew you were going to do that bad thing before you even did it. He knows your heart. He knows your motivations, So it's bad news for those of us that think, like, I'm pretty good. But it's sort of good news as well for those of us in this room that are like, I could never measure up. I'm not good. This psalm tells us that this God is going to judge inequity. He's not going to play favorites. And he's also going to judge justly. Now, who would you need to judge justly? Someone that hasn't committed the crime. This God that Christianity believes in is that perfect judge. And as I've said, he sees all. So who better to judge than someone who sees all, but then also to judge inequity, meaning he's the one that won't play favorites. Now, as you're starting to maybe come along with me on this journey of impartial judgment, you're maybe starting to think, then none of us make the cut. 
None of us. And this is where Christianity is different than every other worldview and every other religion. Because all of the others will say, if you only are to live this particular way and do all of these particular things, you can earn your way back to God. Christianity is very um, pessimistic that says, no, none of you can make your way back to God. But then it's also enormously optimistic because Jesus comes to be our Savior, meaning that he comes to live the perfect life that you and I could never live, to take our place, and then to die a death that all of us are deserving to die, and then come back to life so that he could then offer us eternal life as well. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake, the Father, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Some have called this the great exchange that God takes on flesh to take our place, takes our sin upon himself so that we could then have his place. God trades places with us. This is good news. So maybe you're like, so why did this person invite me to this service? For this reason. Because we want you to know that there is a God who loves you and has made a way for you back to him and his perfection through Jesus. That this is not just some little Baby, it is a little baby, but it's a little baby with enormous implications. So this is good. And I would invite you, if you've never put your trust in Jesus, to do that for the very first time tonight. To declare him as Lord. To say, I want you to have my life. Because if you've truly lived in my place, and you've taken what is mine upon yourself, then I want to live my life in awe and worship of you. And so Christmas, tomorrow at noon, should never have ceased being about this child who would become a man who in the whole process lives what you could not live. It's incredible. It's all about him. Sing a new song. We have reason to sing a new song according to this psalm and according to what we know about God through Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you saw fit to express your love to us through coming to be with us. The Spirit takes on flesh. God, it is many of our desires, Lord, that others would believe this. But Lord, for those of us in this room that claim this, may we believe it right now. The fact that God has come to be with us is crazy and we can get lost. So I pray that we would not get lost. Remind us what this is all about. And for those of us, Lord, that do not believe this, might we do the work of studying who this Jesus is. Who was this man that lived 2,000 years ago that convinced people that he was God? 
And Lord, if, if he was lying, then we're deceived. But if he wasn't lying, that has enormous implications for the world. So the world needs to know who this Jesus is. So we thank you that we can celebrate you tonight. In your son's name we pray. Amen.